The legal views and content expressed on the following program are provided solely for informational and entertainment purposes. They do not constitute or contain legal advice. How's it going, everybody? Welcome to the show. You are listening to the Break the Business Podcast. I'm Ryan Carella, and it is a pleasure to have you here this week. It's good to be back, and it's good to see my co-host, Dave. How's it going, Dave? I don't like this. You don't like this? I want to give a round of applause to you, Dave. No, oh. you, you hosted the show solo last week. You did a fantastic, capable job. Uh, and Capable? You know, a serviceable job. You know, a nice solid C plus effort. Oh, and fuck you! <laughs> no, you were fantastic. I actually I, really enjoyed listening to yeah, it. Yeah, and I enjoyed actually having control over everything. And now that you're back here, this is actually kind of annoying. I was because hope- you've been kind of going at a snail's pace today. You were horribly unaware of some big news that happened. That's true. And uh, I, I thought, frankly, you don't deserve the big chair anymore. You uh, should be basically, you know, your Captain Queeg. You know, you're unfit for duty right now, and I'm going to be relieving you of your command. So I'm going to let you in on my strategy. Yes. I knew you were going to come out of the box. Yeah. And just do this bit. I want to be in the chair. I had much more fun doing the show without you. And I thought I could head it off at the pass. With your faux compliments? Yes, by, by, by clapping with the compliment. And it didn't work. No, no, you, no. You, it, it, what, I'll say this. I enjoyed listening it was cool to kind of listen to the show as an outsider. Uh-huh. Be like, oh, let me, let me, let's see what Dave has in store for us. And, you know, you were great. You were funny. Uh, people I have spoken to have enjoyed having you in the hosting chair. It was cool. Yeah. I mean, the part of me was thinking on the way over here, should I tie you up and put you in the closet and, like, gag you kind of like Snidely Whiplash in the old Hanna-Barbera cartoons? <laughs> I was about to say, like, is there a railroad track involved? Yes, and just, like, do the show that way. You're like, hmm. I'm like, <laughs> I will not mention that list. <laughs> the six things of how to improve your music career won't be happening today, yeah. list boy. Yeah, plus your niece, Abby, want, really wants to co-host the show, so I think I was going to give her a shot, but, you know, you're back. So, be- so you're crushing her dreams, Ryan. That's, that's right of you. Do you. Would you like to apologize? Sure. That's, no, that's not the apology. Oh, what am I apologizing for? I was tuning out most of that. You were crushing her dreams? Okay, sorry about that. If you want to get in touch with the Break the Business podcast, <laughs> you can rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes and SoundCloud. That's the best way to sort of get a hold of our podcast right when it comes up on Sunday. If you want to contact the show, you can email us at breakthebusiness at gmail.com. You can follow me on Twitter at Ryan K-A-I-R. Follow my intrepid co-host and occasionally host Dave at... At Metal Dave 85 Remember, I'm the better one. Well, nobody disputes that, my friend. Right, yes, okay. <laughs> and you can like us on Facebook. Go to facebook.com slash break the business. Um, we got a great guest next week. Yeah, we are guestless. We are guestless this week. But we're going to make up for it because next week we have Jack Conte, the CEO of Patreon. That's a pretty good get. This guy's wow. awesome. Yeah. We talk about Patreon each week. Uh-huh. It seems like it's, it's really helping a lot of indie artists out. And now we're going to have him on as a guest next week. I'm excited for that. Sweet, man. Yeah, yeah, but right now it's going to be just you and me today, so that's good. We have fun with those episodes. We do. It, I, I feel like, it, I mean, we love having the guests. Don't get us wrong. Yeah. But I feel like here we kind of get to stretch ourselves out a bit, just have a, you know, more of a conversation. Mm-hmm. You know, we're not, as, we're not as mindful of the clock and the time limitations because, you know, we want to get this under 
you know, a buck ten in terms of time every week, and the interview is going to eat up about twenty five minutes each week. And now, without the interview, we can sort of relax mm-hmm. and you know, sort of hang out, have a conversation, take our time, man. Just yeah. put, put on some slow jams and just relax, man. Take it easy, you know. Yeah. But as I was saying before, you filled in fantastically as yes, the host of the podcast. Yes, yes, thank you. <laughs> yes, you did. Yes. And and the reason why you had to do that is because I was on vacation in the mountains. You were on your honeymoon. Yeah. I mean... we talked. I talked about this. You said, oh, it's not your honeymoon. Because it's not. That was. It's not, because... Okay, did, uh, did you take a vacation after getting married in May? Yes, this this was our first vacation oh, after so th- getting married. this is your first vacation in, after getting married. Okay, how yes. long was it? Like a week, you'd say? Yeah, it's about a week. Oh, that's a pretty long thing. Was there anyone else with you? No, just the two of us. Oh. So it was a honeymoon. No! I told you it's a honeymoon. It... At least you went to you went to North Carolina. You didn't go to Rosemont, like no. I said. You didn't go to Rosemont, Illinois. Look, it's not a honeymoon because we've, even though it looks on paper, it 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 walks and talks like a honeymoon. We, my wife and I, have already decided what our honeymoon is going to be. We're going to Cancun. We can't go to Cancun yet. That has to happen later. And so this was just a vacation. It's not a honeymoon. And Cancun, I know, North Carolina. Cancun, North. Yes, yes. The beaches of Cancun, North Carolina. Um, remember, North Carolina is on the Atlantic Ocean, so there are beaches. But not where we were. Definitely just, not I, where I, we were. You completely forgot for a moment that North Carolina was on the Atlantic coast. Yes, but North Carolina... Just, just admit that. Just admit it. You forgot. It, you thought it was a landlocked state. I, I'm not... <laughs> you thought, like, oh, wow, honey, isn't this great? We're right next to Kansas. You can forgive me if I was not mindful of that in the moment, considering that we were as far away from anything even remotely tropical. We were in a cabin... Out in the secluded mountains of North Carolina, we had no cell reception. We had but the faintest flickers of internet. Wow, sounds like a nice honeymoon. Like, Unless, Ryan, you're saying the honeymoon period's over already? Ow, buddy. I'm sorry. That would last longer. We had a good run. Yeah, it was a few months. Summer loving had me a blast, right? Yeah. Um, so it, it was good. It was cool. It was, but you did have some internet because you posted a picture of you whitewater rafting. Well, yeah, no, we had, we had less than one MB per second. And you chose it in that. download speed. Yes, I, I used it to occasionally send out tweets. I couldn't even read tweets on my phone. The reception was so bad. I mean, like the ones I sent you, you never replied. That's right. Yeah. Hmm. Well, no, I actually had reception for those. I just ignored them. Um, but the, the internet was basically run by like, it was being powered by like a, like one of those 18th century water wheels. Like that was powering mm-hmm. the internet in our cabin. It was so, it was a mill. It was a mill. Yes. You're running an internet mill. That's right. Mr. Fulton steamship also, uh, every once in a while helped you out. Um, but yeah, it, it was super secluded and it was nice. It was, it was cool to get away. You know, who doesn't love a vacation? It was a little more low tech than what I'm used to. I mean, it was kind of weird to not have you know, be able to look at my phone every five minutes. You know, I mean, my wife and I have had done a great job not having to have a conversation longer than 10 seconds for the four years I, we've been together. And so say, this was a struggle. You're just basically, you're basically saying, Oh God, I had to be with the wife. I know. I couldn't uh, be like, Oh honey, I, I've got these reports on my phone. Look at the reports. Yeah, oh yeah. I gotta, gotta look at emails and I'm just looking. Look, at there's it. even an app called numbers. Oh, I got to crunch the numbers. But, but lest you think like I'm a jerk for going there. Like I'm pretty sure my wife was thinking the same thing. It's not that we, hate each other we, we we care for each other quite deeply it's but. just that well but we're millennials 
We're, we've, you know, we're growing up in the age of technology. We have been trained by our devices to not have to sustain a conversation uh, with our loved ones for longer than three seconds. And now without calling, all the technology in the cabin, we couldn't do it. I'm calling you out. You maybe, your wife grew up in northern rural China. She wasn't exactly having the same creature comforts we did. She's pretty Americanized now. Like uh, she's she's been here for four or five years. Like uh, I can give you a good I, example of this. Okay. I, yeah. So America, she, she's 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 got she's dove into the melting pot. She's swum to the bottom of the bowl at this point. She grew up, as you said, in rural China, but not just rural China, literal Siberia, like frozen. Well, not literal Siberia. It's not Siberia. Literal Siberia is Siberia. But no, but it's like in the Siberian region. It's like I, I don't mean that figuratively. Actually, you know, Mr. Literal Police. Um, it's super cold where she is. <laughs> Police. Oh, I mean, because you know, don't get me wrong. I hate the people that do that, too, where it's like, you know, oh, it was literally on the sun. It was so hot. No, you were not literally on the sun. You were in, you know, Arizona, but so you, really, you, you so were 93 like, million miles from the sun. So then literally. you should really hate Miami more. This is the capital of like. Literally, literally, like yeah, exactly. literally, bro. Like literally, but, everyone says literally, like literally, <laughs> like a million times a minute. Like literally, bro. Like seriously, yeah. I can't even right now. I can't even. No puedo. No puedo. <laughs> <laughs> but my point is, that works for Miami audience only. <laughs> I was about to say, like you know, ninety-eight percent of our audience is like, what's he doing? Anyway, yes. Yeah, it so kind of sounds like Canada Dave. It yeah, it sounds like. So she grew up around Yaks, right? And so it's super cold where she is, and you know, she grew up in one of the coldest places in the world. She's come to Miami. She's only been here a few years, and she gets mad at me if the thermostat is lower than, like, 76 because she's too cold. <laughs> this America, Miami specifically, our climate has ruined her. She, she, was, she used to be tough and hardy with cold weather, and now she's like, just, oh, man, fetch me my shawl. She's just a spoiled American uh, yeah, like just, the rest of us? Yeah, she, oh, you know, this, country. this country ruins people quick. Oh, yeah. Um, and we did a bunch of stuff that too millennial tech oriented people don't normally do like we were out of our comfort zone we did a lot of wilderness stuff we hiked we did white water rafting we canoed across an entire lake my arms are still sore uh-huh. um and it, it was cool it, it was something that we haven't usually done like that's not our comfort zone but it turned out to be no, great yeah. i know it's not because when i asked you hey do you want to come to yosemite with me for our 30th birthday you said no because you're not into the outdoorsy stuff yeah i think that is what i said yeah Lo and behold, I look at the picture of this this douchebag over here, whitewater rafting, holding up a sign that says, hey, David, haha. Literally, Ryan, you had a sign. I did. Literally. 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 I'm surprised that sign, I'm surprised you were able to see that sign because, you know, there was a lot of, you know, it was a lot of water and just, you know, you know, it was, it was an exciting outdoor experience. I was hoping you saw the sign where I was mocking you. And, yes, and, and I also so- then saw the other sign when you guys accidentally went over the waterfall. And just as you went over, I saw a sign that said, help. Help, yes. Yeah. And where the, the boat... Went down by the first, sign. But then we were still sitting there, and this, amazingly, we didn't fall down the waterfall until, until we looked down. Until you notice, then you observation of gravity is what triggers gravity. That's what that's what we learn in physics. Yeah. Yes. I always wondered that. Like why you did, always wondered why did that? The, why did the coyote just continue looking straight ahead? He could have stayed suspended in air until he, he to, got back to the cliff. He has to let the audience know what's happening. He has to say "eep," "eep." Or, or usually, everyone's like "eep" or "eek" or "help." And, and then here's the other thing about the Wiley Coyote, since we're on this important topic that has nothing to do with the music business podcast that we're supposed to be doing each week. Yes. The only thing that worked for the Coyote, uh-huh. like Wiley Coyote, and, and for people that are younger than 28, we're talking about Wiley Coyote and the Roadrunner. Because I think they, 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 who knows, man? Like, it's not like that cartoon's prevalent now. Anyway, 
the coyote. The none of his things worked. The bombs. I, the I never thought we were going to get on this topic when we well, started. Because so this is ahead. just something that bothers me, and, and you brought it up. Nothing worked. The rockets, the bombs, the guns, the, the anvils, the anvils, the painting the side of the mountain to look like a tunnel, and then Roadrunner gets through the tunnel, and he's uh-huh. like, and then he's like, oh man, I'm going to go through that tunnel, but then it's, you know, it's just, not because he painted a rock. Yeah. yeah, none of that works. The only thing that he could get the Roadrunner to do uh-huh. was eat birdseed. Yeah, he would always stop at the appointed X for the birdseed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Eat the birdseed, and then like you know, the anvil would be overhead, but then the Roadrunner would get away before the anvil. No, or sometimes he would cut the rope to the anvil, and it would stay suspended. And it wasn't until he went there that you know it would then fall, or you know, stomp on the rocks, make it fall, and th- yeah, that's right. So he's saying, okay, he stopped for the birdseed. Why not just poison the birdseed? I mean, obviously Acme didn't have that. Acme had everything else. Acme sold every product except for including birdseed, because I think there was Acme brand birdseed, but there was no birdseed poison. Well, I think they only sold conventional weapons and not biological weapons. That's a good point. That's <laughs> you, you got me there. Because rockets, dynamite, everything. But they're not in the business of sarin gas. They're, I, I mean, come on. They're not, they, they definitely get on a terror watch list. I don't think that the government contractors can do that. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. All right. Fair enough. Um, I did get a speeding ticket on the way to North Carolina. Which is weird because it's like you're a bad driver because you also drive slow. You're a grandma. Yeah. I, I often are criticized for my slow driving. And when I when I tweeted that I got a speeding ticket, you, of course, had to go right in with, wait, you got a speeding ticket? The yeah. slowest driver in the world? Yes, I did. I was hoping Thanks, Evan Osceola would Osceola Police Department. Osceola? Oh, so you were still in Florida. Yeah. No, I didn't even get out of the state. And, of course... Part of the problem is I decided to drive fast right at the end of the month, which you're never supposed to do. Uh, how, how much over? Uh, I did 88 and a 70. That's yeah. not too bad. It's expensive. See, this is why, you know, I, speed limits. There should be more like Europe, you know? Just go T- fast. Turn the Florida Turnpike into an Autobahn. Oh, that'd be anyway, but sweet. I feel, I feel somewhat of a connection with you because, you know, as you talked about in your in your episode last week. Oh, yeah, the uh, the red light camera yeah, erroneously he... from Sunrise, which I got a letter because I called them up and said, hey, hey, idiots, look at the damn picture. It's a completely different car and license plate. I got a notice saying, oh, our bad. Dismissed. Really? Incorrect plate. Really? Yes. Vindicated. Yes. Sweet justice. Ryan, I fought the law and I won. I can't believe it. Yeah. I'm, I'm thrilled. I thought for sure you were going to have to like dust off your lawyer briefcase, you know, put on a suit and tie, go to the courthouse in, you know, sunrise. I had an Atticus Finch-esque statement I was working on. <laughs> I got to figure out what to do with it now. <laughs> but I was really, I mean, I was going to put the whole system on trial. Oh. But uh, now I, I guess I don't need to. I would have, to- I, could I have second chaired for that just so I could watch? I, want, I would love to have watched you work the red light camera Chair, system. you would have been a witness. A witness? Yeah. Oh, I had witnesses. How could there be witnesses? Of everything. Like you're, you're, the whole foundation of your defense is that you weren't there. No, the whole <laughs> point is, Ryan, I was, you were going to be a witness to the system, man. Oh, I see. All right? You were going to explain, okay? We were going to get a whole bunch of people, you know, and we were going to take it down, man. Very good. So I guess now it's time for the music Music business, business news. Yeah, because that's kind of what we do here. And uh, Ryan, oh, do, is there something big that's happened maybe? Yeah. That uh, I literally had to tell you, you about. Know, go, uh, I, by the way, I literally 
did tell you yes, about this within yes. the hour. That's right. You can make this perfectly fair you to make fun of me on this. Um, yeah, this be- has been your one-stop news source for Kesha Dr. Luke updates. Yes. This guy over here had no idea she dropped her lawsuit against Dr. Luke. That's true. I did not know that Kesha dropped her lawsuit on August 1st, I believe, until mm-hmm. after I came back and you told me just as we were about to record. I'm glad you told me because yeah, you would have you... brought it up on the show and I would have been completely blindsided. Yeah, like I said, you're, you're Lloyd Christmas at this point. We <laughs> landed on the moon. No way. We landed on the moon. Do you think people get that reference? I hope they do. I, I, I hope so. <laughs> you know, it's funny. Daryl Newdorf, good guy. He did say off air. It's, it's like, hey, you, you talk a lot about movies. <laughs> <laughs> the guest you had last week. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, man. Well, you know. Kind of what I do. That's me. <laughs> I, mean, I can't stop. Did he say it to you happily? Did he say it yeah, to you with yeah, disdain? Yeah, yeah. Like, no, no, no. It wasn't like, listen, man, you got to stop with these damn movies. Otherwise, you better start your own podcast. No, 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 no. No, no but I'm like, hey, man, that's, that's me. Your music on movies. <laughs> um, but yes, Kesha did drop her lawsuit against Dr. Luke. I was able to read up on the story just now before we came and record. But hey, this is what happens when you vacation in the wilderness for a week. Yeah, when you honeymoon in the wilderness. <sighs> so... But yeah, she 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 dropped the suit. She, she did drop it without prejudice, which, as we lawyer type know types know, means that she does have the ability to bring the suit back. Yeah. But I think where she where her head's at is, at this point, she knows that the legal case is not strong. Not because what she's saying happened didn't happen. We don't know. But just well, yeah, that, no. This is this is not a this is not a recanting. This is not her taking it back. Right. None of this, folks. This is not her saying. You know, oh, my allegations uh, against Dr. Luke are false or like all the sexual assault stuff and everything. Right. That's not what's happening here. It's just that this is just yeah. the civil lawsuit in this case. She has decided to drop it. Right. And that means that is not evidence of anything. Right. And in fact, she's still maintaining an appeal of the sexual assault allegations in New York. Mm-hmm. So she's still going after that part of the suit. But yeah. um, unfortunately, she and this is kind of a sad situation for, you know, many artists. When you sue a producer or a record label, Often the shortest distance between where you are and what you ultimately want, which is getting out of the deal, is to just move through the contract, you know, put your head down, just blast through the wall and get through it as quickly as you can. Mm-hmm. And that's what she's doing now. She just delivered 28, 28 songs right. um, to Dr. Luke. Um, I don't know how this is going to work functionally. Because, well, because she has to, I mean, how many albums does she have left on the deal? A or ton. You know, at least like at least several. I, I don't. Because obviously they can they can be they can be dicks about it and be like, oh my god, you know this has been such an interesting experience. You know how we're going to market this? We're going to make a twenty eight song album. Isn't that great? Well, you know that means we get to make all the other ones. We're not going to split them up into three. No. Well, you, well, what you do bring up is a very interesting point about record contracts, and because that could be one thought was. Oh, maybe Kesha can speed this along by recording a ton of songs, delivering five albums to Worth. yeah, and, say, then, and then saying see ya. Yeah. Unfortunately, contracts don't work that way. Yeah, uh, we producer, talked about it, yeah. we, we talked about it last week uh, with uh, Brandy. Yeah, yeah. Well, I wasn't here, but you well, did. no, we by me, I mean me and my new friends, the audience. Yeah. <laughs> but yes, uh, record contracts and producer contracts are structured in a way where. An artist cannot move the deal along quicker by just produce, you know, sending five albums and delivering them. You, you know, they'll usually say something that's, you know, you can only deliver one album per 18 month cycle. 
and the label or the producer controls when the albums come out. So she's delivered 28 songs to Luke. If Luke wants to, if Luke wants to, if Luke deems them satisfactory, mm-hmm. you know, she could get one album's worth of credit for it. And so she's not going to be able to speed the contract along that way. And I'm more concerned with how this works practically. I mean, how do you work with somebody where whether the allegations are true or not, you just went through a brutal litigation, a very public, very nasty litigation with your producer. And now y'all are just going to sit down and, you know, make beautiful music together. I can't can't imagine he's going to be working with it. If anything, he'll get one of his other guys to do it. Someone within the company, but it'll be under Dr. Luke, but it's not, it can't be him. But I mean, anybody at the company, it's still the same kind. I mean, I mean, granted that's true. Like he'll, you know, get one of his lieutenants or something, but it, it, it does seem you'll get Dr. Steve really nasty. And it, it all come, <laughs> yes. It all comes back to what we've said generally, and as sort of the overarching principle of this whole sad case, which is this case underlies everything that's troubling about the music industry, which is these contracts, which leave neither of the actors an easy way to extricate themselves from the contract in the event that things get nasty. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it. A lot, it forces two people to continue working together, either even as things get more and more toxic and eventually explode to what we had in this Kesha Dr. Luke case. As we've said before, if Kesha and Dr. Luke had an employer-employee relationship and things started to get bad, Kesha could quit. Mm-hmm. Dr. Luke could fire her. If Kesha and Dr. Luke were business partners and they had a you know 50% controlling stake, each of them, in some kind of enterprise where they're making music together, the law gives them a way to get out. Either of them can wind up and dissolve mm-hmm. the partnership, the LLC, whatever it is. If Kesha and Dr. Luke were husband and wife, yeah. they, they could well, divorce. You know, that's interesting. Wait, why aren't there early termination or back off cla- or dissolution clauses within these record deals? Because the artist doesn't have the power to negotiate those things. Because if I'm Dr. Luke, I don't want to give the artist any way out other than me saying you can leave. You know, this almost goes back to what we were talking about, I think, uh, however many episodes ago, about how they've got uh, the uh, the industry obviously has their great lobbyists, especially in the state of California mm-hmm. and, and, and in New York, where all of these things really kind of the center of it. It almost seems like you're going to have to like somehow get some lobbying efforts to make sure that almost any by law, these contracts have to be like any other sort of contract where it's like, oh, yeah, you can have these uh, clauses to get out of them. Yeah. With, you know, there'll, there'll be some penalties or liquidated damages, but the, but the effect is... You know, yeah, you know, like we talked about, there's no specific performance in a lot of service industries. Yeah. It, it doesn't exist. Right. There, You bring up a very good point. There have been some people who have discussed the possibility of that there needs to be a way for an artist to leave a record deal or producer deal if things get bad to avoid what we've seen here in Cash mm-hmm. and Dr. Luke. And California did has tried to do something with this, as you were intimating, because in California there is a seven-year cap on personal services contracts. Right, so yeah, yeah. no, no matter how many albums your record deal says you have to do once that seven, seven years, years is up. Yeah. You're, yeah, you're you can, free and clear. The only problem is like we've discussed seven years is a long time in the music industry. You could be major league yesterday's news and you're yeah. done. Everything is passed you by. That's right. Seven years is, you know, I mean, seven years is a lifetime in mm-hmm. is, is, is a career. And then some in the music industry, here's the other problem with it is that under that California rule, the artist can still be liable for the damages of the unrecorded albums. Yeah, I mean that, that makes sense. I mean, that's that's what the those clauses are for. Well, yeah, except it's like they're obviously it's a recognition that okay, we're we're going to dissolve this, but there was a recognition of you know there's some rights and responsibilities that were owed. Right, but 
that by having that in there, the artist basically can't leave the contract. He says, okay, okay, fine, you can quit. You now owe me damages for the five albums you didn't record for me. And the other thing to keep in mind, Dave, is that the reason why those five albums weren't recorded, it's never the artist's fault. It's the label's fault. The label can say to the artist at any time, all right, let's get in the studio and record. When when an, a record deal falls behind and doesn't get albums recorded on time, mm-hmm. it's almost always the label's doing. It's the label deciding, ah, I don't want to get you in the studio right now. We don't think it's cost effective. We don't think it's profitable right now. We don't think we can market you right it's now. It's not the right time. It's not the right time, man. Yeah. And they'll leave you on the shelf. And mm-hmm. so when the artist owes a label five albums at the end of the seven years, it's because the label was dragging their yeah. ass. Although this brings <laughs> up an interesting fact pattern. If we were in law school, this would almost be like an interesting hypothetical. Yeah. And to avoid damages, ours would be like, all right, fine. You know, like we have one of these contracts. We're like, all right, fine. Then like, they'll be, uh, we'll, we'll terminate this, but the artist owes damages. And they'll be like, oh my God, of course you owe us this amount of money based on all these charts and everything. And then the artist has to go, um, no, I think I would have sold crap. I think my numbers would have been down. Yeah. Look, look at my style here. Look at what I tweet at. I'm a douchebag. <laughs> my music is uninteresting. I sound like 20 other guys you currently out there on the radio. I don't owe you a lot of money, really. Yeah. I'm just an, another guy. Well, and then get out of the contract and go somewhere else and try to be like your amazing superstar self. Isn't it funny? It puts the label in a position where they have to say, no, you would be great. We love you. You're awesome. And the artist yeah. has to be like, no, man, I'm a piece of crap. These albums would tank. Yeah. But, and then also like, <laughs> no, I'm a piece of crap. But if you love me so much, why haven't you done anything with it? Right. It, that'd be, God, I kind of, I. That'd be a great well, case to read. Well, there there are some sort of cases that are happening that or that have happened uh-huh. that are kind of doing that. What usually winds up happening at the end of the seven year mark when an artist tries to get out of the deal is because they know how nasty that litigation is going to be. The two sides will negotiate some kind of settlement. Either they'll let them out, but they'll give the label some concessions. Or what often happens is many artists see this seven year rule as a opportunity to renegotiate a bad deal. Actually, or you know what I'm thinking, honestly, also, I'm pretty sure it's also the company doesn't want to open itself up to a deposition. Oh, yeah. That, that's And then, you know, producers, people, high up execs, execs will be called for a deposition. I'm pretty sure they'll try to have it sealed so the public can't see it. Sure. I'm, if, I'm, I'm sure what you're saying is true, too, but I'm pretty sure also it's a lot of that. Let's not get ourselves on tape, guys. Yeah. Let's just let's just continue this uh, this cabal with well, the, us. Right. The the record industry and any if any of these cases were to go that far in the court system, it would put the industry on trial. And the industry does not want that. Mm-hmm. And and so yes, one way that we could try to mitigate the problems with these long term deals is maybe maybe it is a statutory or a legal thing where we get we we give an artist more outs mm-hmm. to prevent something like this from happening or. We do what we have to do in the meantime, which is don't sign these deals, artists. You know the problem is though too. Whenever I um, you see on Variety, Billboard, whatever, like oh, um, who was it recently? Like some big names, like oh, signing new deals. Think like Jennifer Hudson or something. Mm-hmm. Something oh, signing deals with like Atlantic and all this stuff. And you're like, man, if they took control, if they're the ones that said, um, I'll sign a deal with you, but I want these things, or I want a contract that looks like this knowing that it'll trickle down and it'll affect indie artists and all the, the smaller people coming up. Mm-hmm. That could actually be something, but they don't. The people in this system who have benefited by the system stay with it. And like Kelly Clarkson, think the same thing also a few months ago. New deal, right? 
It's never anything. They never do anything. We talked about Adam Levine. Oh, the vo- Oh, these TV contracts so horrible. I want to start my own. Same exact thing. Well, you are seeing some artists who do this. So many of the artists that you're talking about that have that do get you know that do get back in bed with record deals after their contract is up, mm-hmm. you better believe the next contract they're getting is a lot more favorable. The oh, sure, it's definitely artists, fair there because they, they, now they right. they've built themselves up. They, they're a thing, but it's. You know, I'm sure, pretty sure if we look at it, it's still kind of like uh, almost like a false sense of security where it's like those, those companies know like <laughs> you're big. We're Sony. Well, it depends. I mean, some a lot of the super duper star artists, they play by a different set of rules in their contracts because the labels know that the artists can do it on their own if they want to. And in fact, you know, as we said, Metallica is a great example of an art you know, of an artist or a band, I should say. Who says, oh, we can kind of do this by ourselves. And they do this by and themselves they now. That's they, what I'm they, saying. They're owning everything, yeah. And Adele is technically an independent artist. She has a major distributor, but she's got her own label. Um, there are a lot of artists who do that, and it's going to happen more and more. And it's an exciting development because it makes our, uh, you know, the up-and-comers, the indie artists, mm-hmm. see role models and say, oh, if that person can do it, so can yeah. I. Interesting segue. And this is very sort of coincidental, but it's true. I started reading uh, a few days ago uh, the biography of Cary Grant. Really? Yeah. Actually, oh, shoot. I was going to introduce. I was going to introduce this way. You know, I started reading right a biography of Archibald Alexander Leach. You would know him as Cary Grant. Oh. Yeah. That's you're going to like, like Paul Harvey, or and now you've heard the rest of the story. Is that what I'm thinking of? I I don't know what you're okay, doing here. Sorry. You're, you're God. You should have stayed in North Carolina. Anyway, <laughs> um, no. Yes, reading the the biography of Cary Grant. Interesting fellow, Ryan. He basically bucked the studio system. He, when his contract was up, I think with um, with the first iteration of Paramount back in like the late twenties or early thirties, he basically said, "No, I'm not signing a studio contract," because you know back then it basically it, the music industry, you know, what, the film industry was what the music industry is now. Yeah, you're sort of married to a studio in terms of yeah, you you know you are owned by the studio. You do what they say, when they say, how they say. If they're nice enough to lease you out to another studio, that's great. But you are exactly that. You are leased out. I mean, right. the, the movie the movie biz back then was really cutthroat. He said, no, I'm just going to do a per-picture basis on my own. And he did. And he actually also then left the Academy because of that. And he was blackballed in a big way by the Academy. He was only ever nominated for two Oscars his entire career. Really? Nominated for two, lost them both, only got an honorary Oscar in 1970. Because I think it was Gregory Peck uh, lobbied the Academy to get give him one. But he was like the independent artist out there, you know? Yeah. That, and it's, it's Cary Grant. And that's how every movement starts in the entertainment industry, is you need one guy or a group of people mm-hmm. to be willing to do things differently. And it's kind of the same thing in sports with like Kurt Flood being the first guy to say, you know what? We need free agency in Major League Baseball. And Mm -hmm. that's how the system changes. So I want to do a couple more just quick, interesting indie music stories here because, you Mm -hmm. know, I mean, I I think Kesha and Dr. Luke, it's always depressing. And I think, you know, we we want to just give artists some good tips and some interesting things that are going out in the indie music industry. And we'll do that. And then we'll take a break. We'll talk some pop culture. It'll be a nice show. Sound Mm -hmm. good? All right. I'm going to run through these uh, quick here. Uh, First story. Recording artist Jesse Sterling Harrison wrote in the Sonic Bids blog about six things every musician should do before the end of the summer. So we're getting towards the summertime. Um, this is when colleges kind of start picking up and you can get a lot of college gigs this way. Mm-hmm. And we're getting close to the holiday season and that can be a big time for music purchases. And so you basically want to have your act together now before all those things pick up. And that's what this article talks about. Mm-hmm. It's a list. 
It is a list. Now, before mm. you get all ang- list angry here, oh God, he's just going to run through all six things. I've heeded your advice. Mm-hmm. And so with these lists and with some of these stories, I'm just going to... I thought I appeased you. I, d- I even did a list did last a list. week. It was great. I, I motored through it. I hated it, but I did your list. I did. I, I, I was smiling. But this is going to be just more of a summary. So among the information that Jesse Harrison provides... Um, is now that basically it's the time to contact colleges for gigs because mm-hmm. summer is the time of year where college activities directors, they're not as busy. They're more able to look ahead and book shows for the coming academic year. Mm-hmm. Uh, Harrison also advises artists to use what's left of the summer to finish any repair projects to your instruments that have been you've been procrastinating on and also to clean up your online presence. And one of the things that he means with that is customizing your social media profiles. A lot of artists, I see this all the time with their Facebook page, their Facebook page looks like every other Facebook page. It doesn't have a personalized photo. It doesn't have, you know, their own kind of nice logo there. It looks like every other page and it's not distinctive. Now is the time to customize your profile and also make sure your electronic press kit's updated. Or if you don't have an EPK, now's the time to create one, especially if you're going to start reaching out to those college activities directors. Mm-hmm. Was that good? Quick? Yeah. Easy? Yeah, yeah. You can check out that article at Sonic Bids blog. Wow, it only I, I, I took so long to train him. It's amazing. <laughs> I know, after 48 episodes. Hypebot recently reposted an article by Scott Parsons of Lander entitled An Artist's Guide to Crowdfunding. Parsons provides some crowdfunding do's and don'ts in the article, including that artists should make a business plan before starting a crowdfunding campaign, making a careful budget that includes everything you're going to do to put a project together. This is Really important uh, budgeting for a crowdfunding campaign. Um, as you know, with Kickstarter, Dave, mm-hmm. um, it's a feast or famine proposition. Yeah, you either get your goal or you don't. And if you don't get it, it all goes back. Right. And so it can be a nightmare scenario if you set your budget too high mm-hmm. and you don't get anything. But the other nightmare scenario is setting your budget too low. And you're going to need another round of uh or, you know, or, or, or Right. And so right now you're on the hook for a project you can't afford. Mm-hmm. To mitigate that, you need to set out a business plan like you would for any other business. Budget everything. Budget how much it's going to cost to make your to make whatever the project is, whether it's an album or a tour, like everything that's gonna it's gonna cost to fund mm-hmm. it. Also, you want to include in that budget how much you're paying to market this campaign. Mm-hmm. That's you know, the campaign Kickstarter cost, that matters. And also, and this is one where artists get tripped up is make sure you're also including the costs of your prizes. So ah, whatever, yes, you're whatever right. rewards you're giving out. Um, that's right. Cost of the units, shipping. Shipping. That's, that's, where, that's the big one. That's where artists get burned a lot. Is they, they don't realize shipping can add up. Yeah, shipping and handling. And, oh, yeah. It's, it's, um, it's, the, it's, it's the handling it's the, it's that the gets handling you. It's the handling that's going to get, get you. Can you ship anything without handling it? I don't think so. <laughs> um, one of the other dues that Parsons emphasizes is to tell a story with your campaign. Tell backers what you're trying to accomplish. Let them feel like you're an active participant in what they're trying what you're trying to do make a fun video or something those oh. are the best ones kickstarter videos are crucial in fact remember uh was it a few years ago uh for um one of uh, adam carolla's project projects this movie a, that he was making. yeah his movie and he had brian cranston to help him out with the video and yeah. it was hilarious it was absolutely hilarious man i did not give a dime though <laughs> but it was fun would to you watch. appreciate the video yeah um, i'm sure his hardcore fans will be like oh yes this is amazing and he had some people that walked in but it's something as opposed to write just words on the page i'm going to do this this that and the other thing or you can show me so eric sussman the manager for amanda palmer uh-huh. um, you know artist we talk about a lot on this yes. podcast i talked about a lot in my speech at the book launch yes yeah um, he told me that the most important video you're ever going to make as an indie artist is your Kickstarter or your crowdfunding video. If you're going to spend money on any video, if you're going to like get the Hollywood kind of budget for mm-hmm. any video, it's that one. 
because so it can you should play probably, such an important role in so should, funding your project. So should there be a Kickstarter for your Kickstarter video? That's right, yes. <laughs> but you might want to include the costs to recoup the, what you spent on that video as yeah. part of your budget, for sure. Listen, what doesn't, I mean, do you think it has to be a super major expensive thing? I, I see what you're saying, that if, if you're going to splurge, splurge there. But remember, uh, the droids recently did a video. Not for the Kickstarter, but just a music video that was pretty damn cool and it was very easy. Yeah, but it was just like three cameras set up in the room. Yeah, they did a nice job with that one. And um, while they like they they played, and it was just easy. I miss the droids. We got to get them back on. You were in North Carolina. How big do you? How small do you think North Carolina is? You think they were in the next cabin over? No, but obviously you're closer then than you were now. I understand. I'm also I was also closer to Maine than I was now. Like, am I gonna go get a lobster? Yeah. If you wanted to, and actually, why would you go, like, go to Maine? Just stop in Boston. It's closer. That's true. I was just thinking of the first thing I could think of when I thought Your of geography Maine. is very interesting. I'm having trouble You today. thought North Carolina was like next to Nebraska? Anyway. And so, um, just in quick closing here, a couple of Parsons don'ts with regard to crowdfunding. Don't bite off more than you can chew. Start simple if you have to. And when the campaign is over, don't stop interacting with your backers. Uh, you want to continue fostering a relationship with these people. Turn them into super fans. And so that way, when you do the next campaign, you're not starting from ground zero again. Um, last story, I just think this is cute. Um, and it's it's sort of involving one of our old guests, uh-huh. which kind of makes me want to take credit oh, in a oh, small okay. way. Yeah, yeah. Um, Marion Call, a guest yeah, we know. had on the show. And it's, yeah, one of the guests I missed because I was out. Oh, <laughs> well, she was great, though. Uh, I love her. I love her music. That was one of those artists where I tell you every once in a while we have an artist on that I was a fan of before we did the podcast. And mm-hmm. so it's like meeting your heroes. Marion Call is one of those people. And so um, in a in a interview recently, Marion Call was asked uh, before, you know, now she's a you know popular indie artist. But before that, she had more humble beginnings. And they asked her what her first seven jobs were. Mm-hmm. And so she tweeted these first seven jobs out. She wrote babysitting, janitorial, slinging coffee, yard work writing radio news, voiceovers, data entry slash secretarial. And for some reason, because Twitter's just funny this way, that tweet caught fire mm-hmm. and everybody started, you know, artists and all these people started tweeting what their first seven jobs were under the hashtag first seven jobs. Yeah, I noticed that. Some of my uh, people I follow did that. Yeah. But like how you're taking credit, even though really, if you actually want to get to who... In who uh, the person that has been on this show, that's been on this podcast, that would be most responsible for enabling Marion Call's tweet to move its way out, wouldn't be you. It would be Elisa. Yeah, because she also did the hashtag seven. She did things. do the hashtag for okay? seven jobs. You didn't do it. She did it. She got way more than you. She got bigger online presence. Elisa is the one that should be. Give Elisa a round of applause. Give Elisa a round of applause. Yeah. There you go, Elisa. You're the real hero here, okay? Not this guy over here. Our, not Ryan. It's our Elisa. dear friend from the Honey Playlist podcast. I just think it's yeah. cool that... And, At know, Elisa Rock. She, ha- she has a trending... Marion Call's you know, first seven jobs is now trending. Uh-huh. And I just think it's cool that we had a guest on our podcast that has a trending Twitter topic. I know. We, but hey, we and, did pretty good with our, our Trek fan film guidelines. Don't sell us short. Trek... That was yeah, fun. We we went a little. You know, we did okay with that one. We had a little bit of momentum. It didn't trend, but yeah, we had some fellow nerds going on there. That's right. I mean, maybe not Paul Shear, but you know. <laughs> um, but what I like about this hashtag, Dave, is that a lot of artists got involved, and I think it's cool for other artists to look at this hashtag and kind of see where Humble. their favorite artists have yeah. come from. Humble beginnings. That's right. So like you realize that the path of success, you know, is winding. It's not just like a, a rocket ship to the top. Like, not like uh, for you. 
You know, Regina Spector had babysitter, medical office temp, piano text assistant, office assistant, page turner. I wonder, like, like page turner where? Like, maybe for like a, uh, like a symphony? Um, <laughs> butterfly farm, social worker assistant. So, uh, Kimya Dawson from... Wait, the, wait, wait, wait. Yeah. Is it butterfly farm, social worker assistant? Like, it's a no, butterfly, butterfly farm, social farm, worker? Com- no. Oh, yes, okay. For troubled butterflies. Yeah. Um, you know, the ones who've had wayward beginnings. Uh, Kimya Dawson of the Moldy Peaches has Paper Girl, Babysitter, Hobby Shop, Camp Counselor, Hagen Dawes, Assistant Manager, um, Library Page, Home Library, oh yeah, Library, yeah, Page of the Library, a Homeless Family Shelter, Rec Room Assistant. So, what's that, the Rotten Peaches? Moldy Peaches. Moldy Peaches? Have you ever seen the movie Juno? Yes. Okay, you know the song they sing at the end? No, I I can't remember. I offhand. don't see what anyone can see from anyone else but you. He's on the deep pockets. If you want to sue him for using the song, <laughs> um, yeah, they the Moldy Peaches did a lot of songs for Juno. Okay, so you'll like this one too. Uh, somebody posted on uh, uh, Mia Galupo of the Hollywood Reporter wrote as uh, the first seven jobs: junkyard slave, pod racer, young Padawan, Jedi Knight. <laughs> Absent father, <laughs> Sith Lord, Force Ghost. So that's really good. I figured you'd like that's, that one. That's a good But one. anyway, I think artists can find this inspiring. You, know, you can see how artists or, in fact, young Sith Lords uh, get their start. And, <laughs> and that's a hashtag first seven jobs. Are right, we going to take a quick break? Oh, yeah. What's, what's the time check on this? Uh, about 40-something minutes in. Oh, that's pretty good. There you go. See, it went by so far. You didn't even want to do this episode. You wanted to do a best of. Because we didn't do have a clip a guest, show. Yeah. You wanted to do like a Simpsons clip show. Why is it that when you, like, you know, I'm like gearing up toward the, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. And that's when you you always like, stop me and delay it. I know. Like, you know, I'm going to say like, you know, I'm gearing up toward the, we'll be right back. And you're like, I got to get one more pointed. Alan, can you take it as a compliment? If you want to keep going, but we are going to keep going. We're just going to take a quick break. Grab a drink of water. Do you ever want to just, do you ever want to stream like 24 hours of a show? That sounds horrible. That sounds horrible. I don't know. I don't think so. Like the the Jimmy Pardo, the Pardcastathon. <laughs> Pardcast, I like. That. Yeah. Anyway, we'll be right back. We're coming right. Uh, oh, see, now I've lost my momentum. Okay, uh, we'll be right back on the Break the Business podcast. Ryan here from the podcast. Shameless plug time. My new book, Break the Business: Declaring Your Independence and Achieving True Success in the Music Industry, is now available in paperback and an ebook. The book talks about how you can be your own boss in your music career and take control of your content creation, promotion, distribution, and fundraising. Get your copy on Amazon by searching Break the Business. It's a nice read for musicians and the people who love them. That's Break the Business, declaring your independence and achieving true success in the music industry. Thanks very much for your support. All right, and we're back. Good th- Thanks very much to uh, Ryan and Dave uh, for talking to us in the previous segment. Yeah, they were great. Yeah, yeah, a lot of good stuff. I like one more than the other. Guess who? Um, anyway, buddy, back in the D block, even though this is like a B, it's only the second yeah, one. But we're not even in the C. Like, no, yeah. So we're not in the C. We're not lost at C. Anyway, um, I saw Suicide Squad. You did? Yes. Saw uh, it yesterday. I was going to see it when I got back. I kind of thought you'd wait for me, but well, I didn't know, know what time. Just, well, no, you know. I didn't know what time you were getting back because you were completely incommunicado on your honeymoon. So I, I you told me I, when I texted you like, "Oh, I want to see Suicide Squad," and you're like, "Oh, I'm back." And you're like, "What?" Yeah. And I was already like in line to get in the theater. So I mean, I blame you. 
that you saw it without me, you're making this my fault. Well, yeah, I've got my life to lead. Well, honestly, I'm not feeling that bad about missing it because all I have seen are just reviews panning this movie. Reviews are not good. I think it's like a 27 or something on Rotten Tomatoes. Woof. Um, That's bad. So, but, you know, I and a lot of people I follow on Twitter who, you know, are into comic book movies and they're in the know, um, like Chris Mancini of the Comedy Film Nerds podcast, they're saying, don't see this movie. Okay, but I'm going to see this movie because, you know, hey, I, the trailer was awesome, right? Good trailer. It's a it's a new idea in terms of it's a, it's a comic property that's, you know, different. It's not just the, the regular tent poles. Mm-hmm. Um, I really, really wanted to like it. Oh, no. I, 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 no. I, had, I had such high hopes for it based on the trailer, based on the people involved. Um, but I had issues with it. And oh. um, I didn't walk away like I walked away from Civil War where I was like, wow, that was incredible. That was an amazing movie. I didn't walk away like I did from Deadpool. Wow, that was incredible. That was original. I'd never seen anything like that before. What an amazing movie. <sighs> you know, I don't know what's going on down there at Warner's with the, with DC. I tweeted at Marvel Studios, can you please make DC movies? <laughs> because, hey, man, listen, we're all, we all like this stuff. If you're a comic book person and you like Marvel, chances are you also like DC. I know there's some people who are very territorial with it, but, you know... We all, it's it's all the same fan community, right? Right. You want these things to be good. Yeah. I want an X-Men movie to be good. I want, uh, you know, Guardians of the Galaxy. I want all the, the Marvel movies, you know, the Avengers movies. I want Batman, Superman. I want that stuff to be good because I'm, I want to enjoy it. I want to be entertained. It's entertainment. Again, sadly, I don't know what Warner Brothers is doing. It's, um, there was, Margot Robbie was good as Harley. Okay. She was great for the first ever big screen incarnation of Harley Quinn, Dr. Harleen Quinzel, created by uh, Paul Dini uh, for the Batman animated series that we watched when we were kids. Really? That was his creation. That was never really? in a comic. Harley, Harley was never in a comic book up until Paul Dini created her for the Batman the animated series. I mean, that's all I know her from is the animated series, but I had assumed just because it's such an interesting, well-defined character that it had to have come from the nope. comic book. Nope. He, wow. He created her and then DC put this saw how popular and how great she was and put the stamp of approval and said, Yep, boom, she's in it. And then Fun fact. then she got put into comics. Then she got like her she's got her own story right now, her own book, Har- uh, Harley Quinn. You know, she was put in the Suicide Squad uh books. So the whole storyline about her being Joker's therapist and then like Joker made her crazy and everything mm-hmm. like that's all that none of that's like None of that had like an origin in the old comic books or nope. anything. That was all him. That's really cool. And then they picked it up in the Arkham games, which was really good. Yeah. Yeah. No, Doctor Harleen Quinzel. You know. Um, well, it's, I mean, it's not a spoiler. It's, it's it exists in Batman so. lore now. But you know, she Margot Robbie was pretty good at it. I only wish that you know a lot of her scenes that you see in the trailer. Hmm. That's that's like that's that's it. Those are you, you saw it. No, there's some other stuff too, but like the, those main ones, like the really funny, interesting ones, it's all in the trailer. You, there's not much else to it. Will Smith was great, good as Deadshot. It was nice. He was like charismatic Will Smith again. It's like vintage Will Smith. Not like not like the la- the Will Smith the last few years where he's like brooding and sad. Yeah, no, and- no, none of that. No, no mopey after after Earth Scientology Will Smith. It's like oh Will Smith. It's like oh nineteen ninety six Will Smith. Like welcome to Earth Will Smith. It, exactly. Yes, charming, charismatic, 
funny, full of energy, and just great Will Smith. I hope this translates. Because I'll, I'll be honest, I would love to see a Deadshot movie. Yeah? I want to see him again. I want to see that character again. I want to let give it to someone that can actually do it right and let him do it and let him just put the camera on him, let it roll, and basically just go. He was good. Ooh. Everyone else was then given complete short shrift, no, not much character development, unearned things, and later on where one guy is kind of like, oh, no, I can't lose my second family. I already lost one family. I can't lose another family. But that guy, when he says it, had had maybe two conversations with the group prior. <laughs> and it's like, what are you talking about family? Yeah. This is, this is completely unearned. <laughs> There's nothing here. <laughs> it's, it's seriously. Yeah. Like, no. The the choice gratuitous. The choice of plot, villain, um, or what they were doing going. I thought it was going to be com- something else completely different. They added this whole because of what the DC. I feel like the DC universe. It's weird. Marvel has this too, right? Marvel has a god essentially from another dimension, right? Mm-hmm. Thor. Yeah. We have all these other beings from all these places, and now with Doctor Strange, we're unlocking this whole magical thing and all this other realities, right? Despite that, don't you feel like it's grounded? Yeah. You don't you don't have the feeling of like, whoa, whoa, timeout guy. What's going on? <laughs> For some reason in DC you do. You have the thought of, what? Like what's going on here? It's like, that would never happen. It's like what's with all this magical and otherworldly stuff? Because then the problem is if you have two big stakes, it makes no sense then why isn't all these other characters in the DC universe who they sh- some people make some appearances. Well, then why aren't they here? Yeah, like like why not? Why not get Superman? It's on the such phone high and, stakes. Yeah, you know, it's not like okay, it's like the problem people have with like the Marvel movies, right? Or someone like, oh, Captain, America, why isn't Thor there? Huh? He can just call Thor and it'll take care of itself. Like in uh, in um, not Civil War, um, Winter Soldier, right? right? Well, but Winter Soldier, if you think about it, it was a very localized group of stakes. It was more national based. There was some world stuff to it, but obviously Hydra, like it's in Washington, D.C. and all these things and the list of names and everything, it was a little bit more localized. Mm-hmm. It makes sense that Thor's not called for this. You know, you believe it that it's just Captain America and the Falcon and everything. Same thing with um, Civil War, right? Oh, why where's Thor and the Hulk? Well, it makes sense that this is, it's, a, it's like a political thing, part of it. It makes no, you son of a bitch, you're glazing. No. I hate you. No, I'm not glazing. You. You're glazing. I'm glazing a little. When are you going on another vacation? <laughs> you have. I, I was with you on Suicide Squad. I, I had to. You pre- were good. I, I, you're doing comparison shopping, and now and, and like now, now you're getting into like Thor and it, like you know. Sorry, I, I was. Yeah, no, I got nothing. You're a sack of crap. <laughs> <laughs> Your voice got a little phlegmy there, but it actually worked. Like it made it more dramatic. Yes, you're a sack of crap. Yeah. Don't let anyone tell you otherwise. Let me ask you this. Yes, Ryan. About Suicide Squad, unless you want to continue your No, 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 no. Go, go. Okay. Hmm. Sort of a two-part question, but they all sort of feed into the same thing. Mm -hmm. One, Mm -hmm. how do you have that kind of star power and not make a good movie? And question 1B, how can DC be so good at television and at video games, as you mentioned, Mm -hmm. But sucks so bad at making movies. Well, this is the weird thing. I just, and it kind of will bleed into another point. 
I just started watching like seriously just yesterday I've like I'm on the first five episodes of Arrow because mm-hmm. everyone I hear like Kevin Smith all these people talk about and like the whole issue with the Flash how there's a new Flash in uh, the Justice League movie it's not the same Flash from the television show Flash right I also watched a bit of Flash too like a month ago they were good yeah they I, I've, I've watched all I'm, I'm completely caught up on Flash and Arrow they're both great shows okay so I'm only in the first seasons but you know they introduced the premise very quickly too by the way they're like hey here's what happened Boom! This is this is this is it now. This is our reality, uh, and now here we go. You know, really like, all right, we're gonna get in. And we're gonna we gotta go. We, we yeah. got stories we want to tell you. We got some stuff to show you, man. We're gonna have a good time, all right? <laughs> <laughs> but for whatever reason, you're right. After the Dark Knight trilogy, it's like completely done. And I think it maybe it has to do with turning it over to Zack Snyder and his wife, who have complete misunderstandings of all these characters, and it has permeated down the line. Because in, and what I heard was, doing some research, they ended up because, you know, the whole scare after Batman versus Superman and the reorganization, they're like, oh, my God, you know, what's going on here? They got the guys that cut the trailer for Suicide Squad. Yeah. They made that great trailer. They made them edit the movie. Wow. They decided, okay, guys, we're just going to take you and you edit the film. So good job on your two-minute <laughs> two minute synopsis. I'd like you to now cut this two-hour feature. Exactly. Well, well, it's, and now, that, that, that's a, it's a progression that people do that, but that's quite, that's quite a promotion. Yeah, and very fast too. No, you can it's tell like you got a B plus in your film class at NYU. Huh? You can tell there was one beat that was totally put in there. But it was like you're reading the stories. Oh, they wanted they had to add go add scenes more humor. You can totally tell where one scene was there uh, as an edit point of like, okay, put that in there, put it in there so we can get a laugh. Oh, it was it was it, was, it, it wasn't it wasn't organic with the script. It was punch up. Yeah, it was total punch up. Also, the sound design and the soundtrack choices were so weird. I it was like being in a car with a twelve year old that was constantly tra- changing the radio station for the first like ten minutes. Wow! And it was the weirdest thing in the world. And also, just the mix was weird, and it was kind of drowning out dialogue. It, I say, go see it for yourself. I'm always of the impression, go see it for yourself. If you're gonna go see it though, catch a matinee, so it's the cheapest ticket. So you're not spending seventeen dollars to spend well, I mean, money. I mean, you know what's really cheap is just waiting till it comes out on on demand or something. I guess it's true. I mean, but hey, but I, I'm always opinion like, hey man, at least be part of the conversation. Anyway, that's Suicide Squad. I would give it a two out of five. I guess. Oh, rough. I yeah. wanted it to be good. On paper, it seems like a such a great idea. It was a ton of star power. Like a movie about antiheroes. Like antiheroes are big now. Like mm-hmm. with Deadpool and everything. Oh, I completely forgot. And you know why I completely forgot? Because it was completely forgettable. Jared Leto as the Joker. Oh yeah, that was. I'm sorry, that was not the Joker. That was I. I love the Joker. I've made no bones about. It. I talked last week. I talked about. The, I went to see the Killing Joke with Mark Hamill as the Joker. Mm-hmm. What Jared Leto did, I'm not considering the Joker. That was utter bullshit. I don't. I don't even. The choices he was making, it was so. He, one just for the story, he didn't even need to be there. He either didn't need to be there, or you make him the central focus as opposed to what it was. But in the end, it just was nothing, and it was so. I, I, I've actually now forgotten twice about it in my analysis because I don't even consider it a Joker. I've heard some pretty nasty things about what he did in prepping for the role. Like he took the method acting way too far and was like harassing people on the set. Well, it didn't work, and yeah, apparently all that, and it still was like a terrible performance, according to you. I, I, he was. I think some people I heard him say he was trying to match the timber of a like Heath Ledger, but his laugh also I just found like. Sounds like Danny DeVito's penguin. (laughs) That's actually more Burgess Meredith's penguin. Oh, Um, am I I mixing up like the old penguin? Yeah, that's Burgess Meredith. Anyway, um, but yeah, so uh, let's say about that, the better. Ryan. Yeah. Are you a Gilmore Girls fan? 
said a yes or no. I can't tell. <laughs> um, I know of the Gilmore Girls. I can appreciate uh, Lauren Graham and Alexis Bledel's you know, abilities. They're great actresses. They're a weird, constant talking mother-daughter relationship. Yeah. With never one breath in the middle. Oh, my God. You know, that, and the guy that, with the hat. That's why I could, yeah, right. And Melissa McCarthy. Yeah. Anyway. In her career. But anyway, like, but to answer your question, no, because I, I just never could get into just how ridiculous the dialogue was. Like, I would always, like, hear people be like, oh, yeah, my daughter and I, we watch Gilmore Girls because, like, oh, that's so how we talk. I'm like, nobody talks like that, especially you and your boring daughter. Yeah, I thought you need to be hitting the head of the baseball bat to get you guys, you know, regular speed. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, well, since you're such a big fan, you know that <laughs> Netflix is bringing back the Gilmore Girls, right? That's right, yes. Well... To appease fans like you in the run-up for this, to get ready, Ryan, you'll be happy to know that during the Thanksgiving week, there will be a 153-hour marathon of Gilmore Girls. Every single episode, first to last, 153 hours straight. But on Netflix? No, no, no. On something called the UP Network. I was about to say, like, how would that work on Netflix? It's an on-demand. Whoever, whoever owns it. But 153. So if you're behind, if you fell behind, if you didn't catch on to the Phenom 10 years ago, that was Gilmore Girls. Hey, man, you can spend over six days and not leave your TV and catch up on the entire show. That, that listening. Because <laughs> here's the thing. Like, I, I love the West Wing. It's one of my favorite shows, but I can't watch more than like three or four episodes in a row before I go, okay, I, I need to just take a break from this. You're the sorting dialogue, out. Yeah. Like the dialogue's too fast. Like this is a little, this is a little too full of itself and up of its, up its own ass. Well, I think you know what the like, problem is. Gilmore Girls is that times a thousand. I think because Sorkin does cocaine, you think you just have to watch it on cocaine. That's a good point. Yeah. Also, we're going to get sued by Aaron Sorkin for that, I'm sure. No, I think that's, I think that's a well-known thing. <laughs> um, <laughs> anyway. Um, so yeah, that's... For all you uh, GG maniacs out there, <laughs> you, you, you uh, Gilmoreans, um, 153 I, hours. I never thought that we would get the Gilmore Girls talk this week. Yep. Anyway, you have not watched Stranger Things. I have not. I And I thought you have because I've seen it on the Netflix. Turns out it's your wife. Yes. My wife gets into like the strangest shows. Um, like Stranger Things? Like Stranger Things. Well, just think, It's only eight episodes, but... Oh, see, yeah, no, but she, she, she watched it. I have not seen it. It looks cool. Like it, I've okay. seen pieces. All right. I, I, I was this close to abandoning on it. And I think I said a tweet out like, like are you, do you better not Jessica Jones me? You sons of bitches. <laughs> Cause I didn't finish Jessica Jones after four episodes or five episodes. I'm like, I, I, I'm sorry. I'm done. You guys have clearly have no interest in telling me a story because we're four episodes in. That's four hours. That's two feature films worth. And you have not answered any questions. Screw you. I'm out of here. Jessica Jones is awesome. All right, you have no. to you have to let the exposition no, take no, over. No, 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 no. And that, one also, she was completely charmless in that. Christ, Kristen Ritter. Um, it's here's thirteen the thing. episodes by the tw- twelve and a half episodes in. Man, it's a big payoff. And here's we just and this is I was going to talk about those C those I think it's the CW right that has Arrow and um, Flash. That's correct. Okay, those DC shows right? Those are great shows, and mm-hmm. we talk about. It. Here's an episode that's the origin. And that's it's like a one hour show, right? So it's like forty minutes with the commercials. Mm-hmm. They get in and they do it. They do the job. These Netflix shows, no, they are not answering questions. They stay, they they take their time so much that it's to the point of like, okay, like I've, I've, I'm I've spent four hours on this, and I have no idea what's going on. Still, that's a problem. Yeah. That's not you being taken your time. That's either lazy writing or you don't respect the audience. But Netflix shows can do that because they don't need to get you to hang on from week to week. So they can take time 
you know, laying out a nice exposition. Well, obviously like, that theory's been proven wrong because I'm not hanging around with Jessica Jones. And then guess what? The next Daredevil, I'm not doing that either. It with the Punisher, that was good. Punisher made Daredevil season two. Other than that, it was a pile of garbage. You wanna know why, Ryan? They ask a question at the first episode. The end of the season, Ryan, they've tweaked the question and they have not answered it and they've asked the new question. Ooh. For one entire season, Ryan, they bring up a pre- premise in episode one and do not answer it through the entire time they have. That's like they all have, Doctor Who does, and you love Doctor Who. No, Doctor Who also has like just unrelated adventures that build towards something else, but not necessarily. This is all clearly, oh, these are all clearly one story arc sort of things. They, they bring up a question in the beginning, they don't answer it. That's like, they're terrible as what, like 12, 13 episodes? That's mm-hmm. like 12, 13 hours. You can't give me the answer in that span of time? Screw you. Well, I'm not going to, I'm not watching. Laying out exposition, you know, over the course of many episodes for a big payoff, that, that like Game of Thrones does that, and people love Game of Thrones. I don't watch Game of Thrones. No. See, this is maybe like, you're, you're just, I think this is just the way you watch television. Like, you, you need quicker points of gratification. Like, you don't want to hang on for a no, big no, payoff. You, I, you, you can give me a, you can give me a cliffhanger. That's fine. I'm using, that's how t- episodic TV was. My issue is basically saying, uh, I'm going to write four or five episodes worth. I'm going to write 10 episodes worth and still not give you the information and still leave you wondering what the hell is really going on with the plot. At a certain point, it's not, oh my God, I wonder what's going on here. Ooh, is this? No, no. At a certain point, it's just, you're now you're just lost in the woods. You're no longer enjoying a hike. You're literally lost in the woods. Man. And now all of a sudden your survival and sanity is at stake. People, if you're listening, anyone within the sound of our voices, I want you to tweet at MetalDave85 and tell him how wrong he is about Jessica Jones and Daredevil. You are on the wrong side of television history, my friend. No, come on. Jessica Jones, she was so stiff and leaden. You know. She went through some things. Oh, did she, Ryan? I didn't know because because you, <laughs> you gave up on episode four. You no, know, five episodes worth, and you're like, oh, David Tennant, he's so great. Yeah, yeah. Uh, maybe maybe introduce your greatness a little bit I was about earlier. To say, did you even get to David Tennant? You know, oh, Ryan, you know, you know, I really loved how uh, George Lucas. You know, it was amazing when he did the first two Star Wars. You know, Star Wars <laughs> and Empire Strikes Back. He was like, you know what? I could. I'm. You know what? I'm going to hint that there's something called the force. I'm not going to tell them what it is though. You know, I'm going to make them sit through two movies and I'm not going to tell them what that is. So you mean kind of like how JJ Abrams, spoiler alert, big spoiler alert for star Wars force awakens, how JJ Abrams made you wait for 99% of the movie before you get to see Luke Skywalker. No, he just wasn't a part of that story. That's right. completely, completely different. It was a payoff at the end. Like you didn't like okay, but the movie okay. didn't have to open with like R2D2 and Luke Skywalker and Han Solo like all having a party in the first minute. Like there was a payoff. Okay, but here's the thing, all right? If in this in Star Wars episode eight, Luke is not in it up until the last 20 seconds again, then you'd be you'd be like, what the fuck is going on here, guys? Why would you introduce him at the end and then not have him all the next? Then that's what that's what that's what these Netflix shows are doing. That's exactly it. Okay, <laughs> that's that's what. Okay, so but guess what? I'm pretty sure Luke is going to be in the freaking episode in in the next uh, Star Wars movie. Tweet at Dave Metal Dave eighty five. Well, tweet at Ryan too. He, even watch, he, he didn't watch Stranger Things and everyone's watching it. Is that <laughs> which brings us back to what we were talking about? Um, but that's a good show. Like people be watching. It's this. interesting, but again, it, it takes like four episodes. To finally actually reveal what's happening, which again, after after I'm watching four hours with the television, I'm like, why 
don't you tell me anything? Fine, you don't tell me in episode one. Fine, you don't tell me in episode two. Okay, but three, nothing with three and four. Also, they bring up a premise in the very first episode that you that they they sort of hint at is kind of related to everything, and you find out it's completely erroneous and wrong. It has nothing to do with anything. But you, you, should, but you, should, you should you should just ignore what this group of characters said because it has absolutely nothing to do with anything. Even though they make it seem it's like a big big deal. But you hung on. All the way to the end of Stranger Things. Because they actually started to work on it. They weren't like Jessica Jones and Daredevil. I feel like you can't keep keep going back to Jessica Jones here. I feel like if you hung on for like one more episode. That's not it's not my job. It's their job. It's their job to make interesting, compelling stories. They didn't. I'm out. So like do you just read Moby Dick and go like, call me ish. Get to the man. Get to the whale already. God. Actually, you know what's funny? Huh? That. Moby, have you have you read Moby Dick? No, nobody's read Moby. No. Herman Melville's like I can't get to the end of this shit. The most of the book actually is very dry wailing. It's not until like the last few chapters that actually all the action happens. And it's and, and it's considered an achievement of literature, is it not? <laughs> yeah. Okay, but you're comparing your pacing today to 19th century novels. That's right. <laughs> Haven't we made some progress? Again, respect that gam audience. Flash and Arrow were doing it well. <laughs> All right, I have, I have a feeling you're going to want to wrap this up soon. So I got there's something I just got to do. Ooh, great Gatsby. In my younger and more vulnerable. Get to the car crash already! <laughs> spoilers. Major <laughs> spoilers for Great Gatsby. Uh, <laughs> it was the sled the whole time. Um, <laughs> all right, Ryan, I just I just thought of this because I've seen some movies lately with some pretty weird taglines that made me think of uh, your... Uh, it made me think of a game um, called... Uh, that Doug Benson created called Whose Tagline Is It Anyway? Where he... Now it's time for a game I totally ripped off from Doug Benson. Thanks, Doug. Anyway, yes, as you said, uh, Doug Benson created this idea where you give people taglines to a movie and then you, they have to guess it. I'm very upset about this. Why? Because, as I have said before, I invented this game. We called it... We, we did it with Evan and Elisa like what? a few months ago called Bad Movie Epic Tagline. Did? And I did it on my old podcasting days when I was on the Quarter Life Crisis podcast. Wait, we did that on this show? Yes! Was I good at it? You were good at it. You're good at all these yeah, movie Yeah, I was. Games. I was amazing <laughs> at it. You should, you should just say that it was the best. You usually, should, you usually remember the things you're good at. Yes. All right. So now we're going to do Bad Movie Epic Tagline, my game. Yeah. And I know you're saying like, oh, there's no one here to play it with, but I just think yeah. it's funny. It's usually a team game. I, okay. Well, you know... I'll, I'll I'll win because I have the answer and you probably won't get them. Okay, so now I have to guess the movie from the tagline is the game. Yes, and I guess you said there's we're saying like, Doug Benson invented this, but really I invented this. Well, this is his variation of it. Okay. Anyway, I just because I, these are just funny. Okay, Ryan, what movie has the tagline? <laughs> Slam evil. Slam evil. Actually, it should be actually. I'm sorry. Slam evil! Exclamation mark. Um, Space Jam. Slam? Right, remember, you want to slam evil. Slam. All I get is like, slam, da 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 It's from 1996, by the way. 96. And that's not Space Jam? Slam evil. I got it. I don't got it. Do you want some actors? Yeah, that would help. Catherine Zeta-Jones. Slam evil. Treat Williams. Treat Williams? Yeah. He was in a movie that wasn't a made-for-TV movie? I thought that's all he did. Oh, and One Tree Hill. Treat Williams. Okay. No, I still don't have it. <laughs> One Tree Hill. <laughs> <laughs> Billy Zane. 
All I know Billy Zane from is like Titanic. I've... Wow, I thought the Billy Zane was going to give it away. The Phantom. The Phantom. I don't, I'm sorry. You don't remember the Phantom? No. Billy's the ghost who walks. He's in the purple bodysuit. It's like from the 1930s. It's like an old radio serial, the uh, the Phantom. So they, why is it Slam? Who knows? It's the weirdest tagline for the a, a jungle vigilante. <laughs> okay. Right. All right, Ryan. Who knows what evil lurks in the hearts of men? Oh, that sounds good. Who knows what evil? Well, well remember, it's not a good movie. I was about to say, but. <laughs> I mean, it sounds like it's good, but that's why we call it bad movie yeah. epic tagline. Who knows what evil works in the... Uh, 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 oh, God. Our older viewers are probably getting it. Oh, God, I don't know. Um, Who knows what evil lurks in the hearts of men from 1994? Dracula dead and loving it? No, 1994. 94, interview with a vampire? Uh, John Lone. I don't know who that is. Penelope Ann Miller. Penelope Ann Miller. No. Alec Baldwin. Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. No. Ryan, who knows what evil lurks in the hearts of men? The shadow knows. Oh, the, the shadow. shadow. Yes. Another 1930s radio serial that was updated to a movie that didn't work. Boy, man, Hollywood knows how to double down. It's like, way. look, I know the people have been killing us with these radio serial remakes, but I think if we do it one more time, people are going to like it. You know, also, Ian McKellen was in that movie and Peter Boyle. Really? Oh, yeah. Peter Boyle. Wow. Yeah. Treat Williams. Ryan? Yeah. What's this tagline from? <laughs> he fought his first battle on the Scottish Highlands in 1536. He will fight his greatest battle on the streets of New York City in 1986. His name is Connor McLeod. He is immortal. Highlander? Yes. <laughs> that is literally the tagline. That's line. a really long tagline. It's the plot of the movie. <laughs> They put the plot of the movie on the poster. That's the tagline. Like, 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 can you imagine just like walking, you know, up to the you know box office with your date? Oh, let's go see Highlander. Oh, there's the poster for it. Oh, nineteen. Well, shit. Well, now we don't. Right, oh, yeah. well, let's go get some coffee. Yeah, want to get some? Want to get some Froger? <laughs> yeah, that's great. He fought his first battle on the Scottish Highlands in 1536. <laughs> he will fight his greatest battle in the streets of New York City in 1986. His name is Connor McLeod. He is immortal. <laughs> it's literally all that's there. That's the whole movie. It's literally the plot. <laughs> All right, last one, and um, this is this is <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. He grew up with messed up legs. He learned how to run fast. He played for the University of Alabama. He fought in Vietnam. He was a shrimping boat. <laughs> he played ping pong. He played ping pong. He's not that bright. His name is Forrest His Gump. Name is Forrest Gump. <laughs> People call him yeah. Forrest Gump. <laughs> well, I guess we can go home. Apollo 13. Apollo 13. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right, last one. And this is one you saw recently, so you should definitely get it. Okay, this. All, right. all right. The cruise of the millennium just changed course. The cruise of the millennium just changed course. I mean, it's not Titanic, is it? No. Is it? I just saw this? Kind of. I mean, because it maybe scream, uh, speed two cruise control? No. The cruise of the millennium. Just changed course. course. And I've seen this recently. Can, can you give me the year? Oh, I don't know what year it is. Oh, well, I don't have any information on it. That's fine. Well, you well, you just recently you you did recently see this, and you actually you took a picture of it. I'm sorry. Space jacked. 
Oh God, <laughs> that's funny. Okay, that's we should probably explain the the, uh, the the backstory on this. Yeah, we'll check Ryan's tweets. Yeah, check Ryan's tweets. And let me say this. So two things about that. One, I was so yeah, space checked. That's funny. It's right there at the bottom. Oh, of the it's DVD on the bottom case. of the TV. Yeah. Game. So as I'm driving back from North Carolina, um, we 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 need to get gas, and we're at this like middle of nowhere town in georgia like you know you're just getting off the highway you need to get gas and Mm -hmm. literally the only thing that's in the town is a gas station Mm -hmm. and they had a dvd kiosk in this gas station in the middle of nowhere in georgia and i tweeted out a picture of this you can see it on my twitter not a single freaking movie on this kiosk is a movie anybody's heard of except for randomly a a prairie Prairie home Home companion Companion. because there's also wait wait where's one second the last bites of ransom pride yeah Películas trocas con huevos. The Bang Bang Club. Super Street Action. <laughs> Lethal Force. Devil's Mercy. Humans vs. Zombies. Killing Emmett Young. Noble Son. Space Jacked. Did you see, like, look down, there was one where it's like Andy Dick is something, something yeah. first time director. Yeah, I, I zoomed in here to get the Space Jacked one. There's a whole bunch more that what? are insane. That It's not like bad movies or like B movies from like people you know I, these just seem like weird gas station I mean, yeah, movies not a, but but like the fact that they would all be together in one kiosk mm-hmm. and then the prairie home companions there and here's the other thing that that flabbergasts me about this i've been on twitter for about a year now <laughs> and i've tweeted a bunch of articles that i've written about entertainment law i've tweeted our podcast i've yeah. written like my insightful thoughts about copyright and mm-hmm. trademark and and music I get like one or two likes. This freaking tweet about just random DVDs that I found in the middle of nowhere is by far the most popular tweet I've ever tweeted. Twitter is weird, man. It's the decline of Western civilization. Basically. Right? And I, that's part evidence. Evidence is other <coughs> other evidence we see. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, so that was that fun game that uh, Doug Benson made up that I decided to uh, use. Grr. Yeah. But uh, looking at the board, I think we've exhausted... I think we've exhausted uh, the show today. Yes, indeed. I feel good. Do you feel good? I feel a little tired. It's hard when you have to talk more because there's no guests. Oh, oh yeah. What a, you're gone for a week. Whatever, man. Hey, it's good to be back. I missed you, pal. I'm pleased you're back, question mark. <laughs> oh, uh, we'll see you guys next week. Thank you all very much for listening <laughs> to the Break the Business podcast. Come on, DC.